Hey there, welcome to Fleet FYIs, the weekly podcast by Utilimark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for Sperner fleet management. My name is Gretchen, and every week you'll hear from me and some of the industry's finest in candid conversations that will shed some light on not only two decades worth of data insights, but some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. But before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to come along for the ride with us. But I've got a quick favor to ask you. Once you've finished today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. But if we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later episode. If that sounds good to you, let's get back to the show. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. Today, we're kicking off a new series for this show, one that addresses a new angle on sustainability. EVs, logistics, consequences, things you might not have thought about, you name it. With none other than Dave Meisel, the Executive Vice President of Operations for Quanta Services. I wanted to chat a bit about sustainability, you know, not just for fleets, but for consumers in the automotive industry as well. It's a movement that's been growing ever more present in the U.S. as well as around the world. You know, this topic came to mind when I read an article detailing the U.K. Prime Minister's recent announcement, and at this point now, it's probably been about a month since he made the announcement to the greater part of the U.K., but it was all surrounding green technology, and it detailed a plan to stop the production and sale of purely fuel-based vehicles from 2030, with hybrids only allowed to be in production and, and purchased through 2035. Now, the goal here is being a completely electric vehicle society by 2040, which isn't too far off, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can actually, you know, pull it off, right? And because this movement is so multifaceted, I mean, there's some people, right, that are on the side of the fence where they want to be more sustainable, but they either don't have the capital or the interest to invest in EVs. So you might be looking to make the most of the data that you can from your current fleet operations and try and be more sustainable in that sense. Or you might be on the other side of the fence where you're super interested in EVs, super gung-ho about it, and all you want to do is start investing in new technology. You know, it's just, it's an interesting movement to try and capture the spirit of, right? Because there's so many, there's so many opinions surrounding it. So I knew that Dave would be the perfect person to speak on this topic. Currently, he's been in the utility fleet business for over 25 years with another 15 in large transportation, so about 40 years in total, which is incredible. And he manages around 68,000 vehicle assets worldwide. Wowza. I mean... (laughs) That's a lot. All in all, sustainability is only first on the list. So if you want to figure out what the rest of the series has to deal with, hint, it is it does surround sustainability just a little bit. Uh, you'll have to tune into next week's episode and the week following to learn more about what other aspects of this movement that we'll cover together. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited to dig in and kick off this series, and I'm super pumped for you guys to hear it. Let's get started. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Fleet FYI's podcast. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. 
I wanted to kick off the show first by speaking about the fleet electrification and the sustainability movement as a whole, because as you're most certainly aware, it's a massive topic of discussion these days, and opinions are all over the place. Could you give me a little bit of insight as to how this electrification movement affects your fleet or even you on a day-to-day basis? Uh, sure. When we think about, I think those are two separate issues personally. Um, electrification for most of us in the fleet business is about propulsion systems and how we're going to you know, drive our vehicles and equipment going forward. And sustainability has so many other components to it. Um, when we look at electrification, you know, we work in the electric and the natural gas space, uh, pipelines and power lines and things like that. And um, I'm all for electrification to lower our operating costs, to, you know, lower our greenhouse gas emissions. Those are the, the really great things about it. Um, but there's a side that we have an unknown yet, which is a little scary for somebody in my role. Um, I worry about when we're uh, responding to storms and there's no electricity, how do you send an electric vehicle to an area where there's no electricity? Um, you know, that, that really sounds more like a recipe for disaster without some other mechanism to charge. Um, and then I look at things like we still don't know, know the duty cycles. We still don't have manufacturers who are producing these in work vehicles. You know, we're starting to see them in light duty, but um, I do think it's further away than some people think or hope before we can see these in volume and all of the different types of applications that we have. As far as sustainability goes, um, you know, that is a, a, a very broad series of, of topics that we work on. Uh, we work on everything from our carbon footprint in the fleet, uh, which obviously is, uh, it changes, you know, some of the things that we normally buy diesel for. Maybe we're switching to natural gas or electric or, or even gasoline in some situations. But that also includes other things like waste, our, our carbon footprint for our buildings, um, you know, recycling and those types of things. So lots of big topics there and a lot of work going on for us. Okay. And, you know, that's an interesting point that you brought up, you know, about the electrification, because I don't think I've ever really thought about, you know, how do you, how do you send an electric vehicle to a storm site where there's no electricity? I mean, that's a very, very valid point to have. Yeah, that's a real problem. <laughs> I mean, what if you get stuck? That could be a very big concern. But um, so when we're talking about sustainability now and the momentum, I think, for sustainability is huge. Now, that's not just within fleet industries. That's obviously in most aspects of life at this point. How How is it, do you think, that this movement has gained so much momentum? Do you think it's customer and consumer driven or do you think it's more on the shoulders of perhaps manufacturers that are trying to get ahead of the demand before it's there? Well, I will tell you it, um I think that it's coming from a lot of different angles and this is Dave, Dave's personal opinion. I really don't think it's the manufacturers. The manufacturers will build what sells um, and only what sells, right? So there, I don't think they try to drive a particular strategy. They try to understand their customers and what their customers want. Now in, in, from my perspective, I look at this and say um, clearly the younger generation has a, a, a different view of, of sustainability and transportation than maybe somebody in my generation might have. Um, and the younger generation is, 
is growing and the older generation is shrinking. And so I think you, you're just seeing that younger generation and their views and values playing a bigger and bigger role as, as we move forward. And, and maybe somebody who's been around a long time like me playing a smaller and smaller role. Um, so I think that's a big portion of it. And I think that comes from a lot of different directions. I mean, I hear um, what our investors say. You know, our investors would like to see uh, more um, sustainability. And and many companies are, you know, now producing sustainability components to their annual reports. 25 years ago, nobody did that, right? And that's much more oriented to what investors want. So I, I do think it's being driven by the consumer side of the business, not the manufacturer side of the business, and it's just being driven in multiple multiple ways at this stage of the game. That's fair. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of benefits um, to, I think, sustainability. I mean, obviously, there's a very strong argument for it. Um, sure. But alongside the benefits, I think there also comes consequences that perhaps either many people aren't aware of or they just haven't thought about yet. If you had to give it a think, what would you say might be some of the most impactful consequences, maybe on fleets, or you could even go as big as cities or even nations due to this sustainability electrification movement that's just gained a lot of traction over the last few years? Yeah, I will, I will tell you that the, the, I think the biggest thing that, that concerns somebody like me right now is fear of the unknown. Um, you know, it's hard to argue some of the benefits associated with electric transportation, right? Well, there's some things we know for sure. What we know for sure is the emissions profile is better, at least at the vehicle perspective. What we don't know for sure is when you use the, the wells-to-wheel approach of calculating greenhouse gases, you know, that changes. Um, for example, if I'm using an electric vehicle and putting in a, at a utility that is 100% coal generation, um, there's a net difference between the greenhouse gas emissions from the coal producing plant, you know, being offset by um, the electric transportation. Conversely, if I'm in an area that is uh, solar powered electricity and electric transportation, that's a that's kind of the kind of the best scenario you can get into, and that that unknown is 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 tough to calculate and it's tough to understand, but it's true. Um, the second thing, you know, we do know that when you look at that electric uh, propulsion system that, you know, there's only, you know, the, arguably 20 or 30 parts in, in that in that entire system versus, you know, two or 3,000 in a typical internal combustion. Um, we don't have enough information at this stage of the game to know how each one of these, is, each one of these systems is going to act in our particular application. We've got a lot of information now. Uh, on automobiles, but that's pretty much it. Um, we don't have any information on off-road equipment for the most part or any significant information. We don't have very little information in the utility space, right, using it as a bucket truck or a digger. Um, and so when I say fear of the unknown, I don't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. I mean, I mean it's an unknown thing. Um, we certainly see the benefits of electrification and, uh, you know, autonomous uh, vehicles and equipment, um, but we still have a lot to learn before we can do a, a business case that you have 100% confidence in. Right now, it all looks good from from the perspective that we have, but I think you know we have a lot more to learn. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I was doing a little bit of thinking about um, infrastructure and perhaps how fuel taxes might be able to be levied to aid in, you know, constructing more infrastructure for different cities and maybe even towns. Would electrification play into that at all? Would it still be the same type of tax formation to allow for the building of infrastructure, even if people are using less fuel? Well, I mean, they're going to have to do something for sure. Now, I'm not a tax person, and 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 I don't know exactly, you know, the the choices that are out there. But one thing we know for sure in today's world, you know, most of that is funded on on the uh, the get per gallon tax, you know, for uh, for on road taxes, right? That's how most of it is funded. And there's no question that electricity doesn't have that tax structure on it. So as you transition from uh, less and less gasoline, diesel fuel, and more and more electricity and other things, they're going to have to do something with the, uh, with the tax structure to, to recoup those, um, those lost dollars. Now, whether they do it through, you know, a tax at the utility level or whether they do it through increased fees for vehicles, there's clearly going to have to be something that occurs um, to ensure that those dollars are available for that investment in the, in the road infrastructure. Uh, you know, the other half of that infrastructure is the charging infrastructure. And that looks really easy. Well, just build charging stations. That's fine. And that's true. But, you know, we do have a, all of that kind of rolls up into how the utility operates in those individual circuits. And as you increase the draw on those circuits, the need to upgrade transformers and substations and, and power lines all goes up because there's not an unlimited amount of chargers that you can add to any particular circuit. And there's just a lot of work that's going to need to be done, right? That's very local work. You know, it's at the circuit level. It's not at a, at a power plant level, right? It's a neighborhood level. And nobody really knows how many plug-in vehicles are going to go into a neighborhood until they go into the neighborhood. And then at some point in time, it will start, you know, popping the fuses on those transformers. And uh, then we'll know we have a problem. Then you have to, you know, upgrade that transformer, upgrade that substation. And that's a little longer kind of view work, longer timeline work. And this is the part when I say it's kind of fear of the unknown. Um, There's just a lot of moving parts in this space. And while I completely agree with the philosophy of improving our sustainability, um, you know, the infrastructure has to move kind of at the same pace. And that's, that's the part that a lot of people aren't talking about. They're all talking about, gee, these are really cool cars, whether it's a Tesla or anything else. And we want more of those. Got it. I agree. Um, but we have to have the conversation about infrastructure and what that means and, and make sure that those two progress at kind of at the same pace so that we, we don't have vehicles with no infrastructure and infrastructure with no vehicles. That's very true. I mean, it's almost kind of you brought up a point that made me think of how much of a fit some people that I've known over the past few months, they've been putting up a fit over the fact that 5G telephone poles have been being put up in their uh, boulevards. And they're not a fan of that. So then what happens if you need to add in more electrical lines and more electrical poles in that regard? And Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, none of this really works very well without, you know, investment in infrastructure. And all that infrastructure has to go somewhere and some of it will certainly be new and some of it will go on the existing footprint. Um, but all of that is kind of TBD based on adoption curves. So... Um, like I say, it's hard to argue with what we know from a science perspective that says this is a good idea. Um, there's just, 
just a lot more to it, I think. And the, the casual user or the casual driver of, of an electric vehicle doesn't necessarily concern themselves with the idea of, you know, grid utilization and, or, uh, you know, capacity. And, and quite honestly, shouldn't. That's other people's job. I get that. Um, but to me, you know, both of those have to pretty squarely align going forward. In the near term, we can add a certain amount of electric vehicles without a lot of interruption to the grid with a lot of, you know, interruption to circuits. But uh, there's a place when, you know, that there's no longer any capacity and that will cause issues. And I don't think we're there yet, but uh, with the rate of adoption, we could get there sooner than we think. Right. And, you know, just because of all these complications and perhaps some of the consequences and the ins and outs of all of this electrification movement that we've spoken of, do you think that electric vehicles will be widely adopted if there's no official mandate? Or do you think it's just going to be an as the mindset shifts, then it'll come type type piece? Um, I think you're going to see widespread adoption for a couple of reasons. Um, I think first and foremost, you're going to find out um, as they, they, they truly get into mass production, and I mean bigger than what we see today, uh, I think people will find out that they are far more cost-effective um, than what we're accustomed to. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when you bought a new car, you got a 12-month or 12,000-mile warranty. Um, and, and there was a reason it was 12-12, because it ran out after 12,000 miles. That, that, that doesn't occur in today's equipment, right? Nobody would even consider a 12,000 mile warranty. Um, but I do think when you look at uh, the vehicle space over time, you know, people buy things based on their budgets and nobody ever worried about how much you pay for a vehicle. They worry about well, how big your monthly payment is for the most part. And, uh, I think when you look at the cost of electricity, when you look at the cost of batteries and, and what they are today versus just seven or eight years ago, uh, I think ultimately what you're going to find is that the vehicle will be the same price or cheaper than a current equivalent model. And I think it's going to have a, a, a useful life that's going to be significantly longer uh, just because you're going to go from two or 3,000 parts to 20 or 30 parts. Um, and, I, and I do think that, you know, fuel is going to be, I think it's going to be significantly cheaper. And so operating costs are going to be lower. I think payments will end up being lower, even if the vehicle's not cheaper. You know, it might be a 10-year vehicle versus a 7-year vehicle. And and I think that price ultimately is going to drive this, right? It'll be consumer acceptance as well. But when we get the range and the batteries well, when we get charging infrastructures done well, then I think the, the economics will take over and that will end up driving it. Absolutely. I totally agree. So is there anything else? Um, because obviously, you know, we can't cover everything with sustainability and the electrification movement right now in this moment. Is there anything else that I haven't touched on that you'd like to add? Um, I will tell you, uh, you know, electrification is a funny thing. Um, it is, it is a, I, I told somebody this yesterday that we haven't changed the propulsion system on a vehicle in over a hundred years. And that's the last time we did that is when we went from a horse to gasoline. Um, and now we're completely changing the propulsion system for the first time in anybody who's alive in their lifetime. Um, that isn't going to be simple, easy, cheap. And I don't think anybody really knows what the future is going to look like. Um, I, I think it's, it's got tre 
tremendous potential for our industry and, and our planet. Um, but we have a tremendous amount to learn yet. Um, when you, oh, instead of having a million EVs, you have 50 million EVs on, on the planet, right? Um, so I'm, I'm excited in many respects. I, I, I think it, uh, uh, it's going to change everything that we know about transportation in many different ways. And, uh, but I'm guardedly optimistic because I've been in this business for a long time. And every time there's been a technology change, there's always wins and there's always loses. And I don't think we've focused on the balance between those two yet or, or what it's going to take to really drive this as a win for the long term. But, um, it's going to be an exciting time for sure. And I think you're going to see tons and tons of, uh, really cool pieces of equipment coming out over the next several years. And, and I think it's all moving in the right direction for the right reasons. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. I definitely think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch the shift. I think, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said, I just don't know that we don't know what we don't know. And, and that's both scary and really cool. I mean, because there's going to be a lot of new things, new technology that this technologies that this will drive that we can't even think of them right this second, mm-hmm. but they're coming. So I'm curious to know, is sustainability something that's on your radar or is it something that you'd only consider if there were mandates in place that almost, I guess you could say, forced your hand? I think that Dave had a really interesting point that he'd brought up many points, really, but specifically the differences in generational opinions on sustainability in terms of how aggressive certain fleets are or they aren't. And that manufacturers will adapt to these opinions and trends because they want to make what'll sell and they want to be ahead of the curve. You know, sustainability may just be something that's consumer driven and it comes with many associated benefits, which is great. But on the flip side, there's consequences that might be something that many people don't actually think about, or at least not right away. And perhaps it's turning itself into a talking point that needs further exploration before fleets jump into electrification with two feet, which I guess it really isn't a bad thing because information and studies are always important before a major investment, especially a major investment into a new technology. But I think the key here is truly relying on your data and doing a deep dive before you make any decisions to update your fleet technology, because if you're still a little bit unsure about the electrification movement, there are certainly things that you can do just by looking at your data now to become more sustainable for the future. Data is absolutely king, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And on that note, Electrification is certainly a movement that's on its way, and of course, like I said previously, digging into your data is a great way to decide if this technology is right for you, because instead of it just being on its way, it's already here and it's not slowing down. But on that note, I just want to remind you to make sure that you tune in next week to catch Dave's thoughts on what's coming next for the fleet industry, both in 2021 and beyond. I promise you, you won't want to miss it because it's jam-packed full of amazing insights and actionable items that perhaps you can turn into your fleet strategy right now. Hey there, I think this is the time that I should cue the virtual high five because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more content, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for the show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analysts to you. 
That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later. 